It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome back, everyone, to the Take Talk Podcast. My name is Stephen O'Rourke, and with me today is... Recurring guest, friend of the podcast, Chris Wecht, as Brett is swamped with draft stuff and, you know, his, his on-the-clock podcast. He needed a week off from this. Um, and Chris what is welcome back after becoming a father. Chris, welcome back for the first show since that, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's good to be back, getting back in the swing of football things as it's now a, a year-round sport. There's no breaks, feels like. No. You get that like you get like a week or two. I had I had basically the two weeks after my son was born, right after the Super Bowl, and now we're already they got the combine this week. Free agency comes right after that, and then it's draft stuff all the way up until the draft, and then the summer is a little quiet, but then training camp and everything ramps up, and we're right yeah. back in the season again. Yeah, it never ends. It never ends. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse, especially when it comes to like you said stuff like that, like having kids and doing different things like that. It's so hard to step away because it's just so much is happening constantly. Yeah. They, the NFL has figured out how to have be in the news cycle year round 24 seven and they're, they're very good at it. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still catching up on a lot of these guys. I've started to look at some of these prospects. Um, We're probably going to talk combine stuff with that being this week and just kind of overall landscape stuff. Probably you won't get too, won't get like as deep into prospects as Brett is getting. Plus you'll be able to get all of Brett's thoughts on, on the clock and his prospect guide when that comes out. So you'll have plenty of prospect stuff as we, as we uh, get up to the draft here. Yes. Yeah. And you know, outside of the combine early news this week, the chiefs are planning on tagging Legarius Sneed and the Bengals tagging T Higgins. Those are like, you know, two of the big free agents that are kind of coming off the board and, you know, I'm sure some other tags will get thrown in throughout the way. But um, with, I, I feel like Legarius Sneed and T Higgins are interesting because both of them are such high performers at their position at a position for both of these teams that, you know, you could argue that they could move on from them and, and, you know, and work in and, uh, you know, whether it be a, a rookie or, you know, a lower cost free agent, just because, you know, the chiefs are so bolstered at cornerback and the way they develop guys and same with the Bengals and receivers, they seem to develop and churn out you know, good receivers pretty frequently. So what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think, do you think both teams end up sticking with those guys or do you think it's a tag and trade, which has kind of been talked about with Snead already a little bit? Yeah. Snead is the one that I actually think makes less sense for that. I mean, he's, I think so integral to what that the way that defense plays right now. And, and just, I mean, really became, Man, he was probably a top three corner this year. Uh, I, I mean, he followed guys like best so. receivers around. I, I'm struggling to think of guys that I would say yes, he's definitely they're definitely better than he was this year. And with the way the Chiefs' offense is built right now, their defense is is really their strength. And so I, barring um, cap issues, I don't I don't really see a reason that the Chiefs should want to move on from Snead. And Sne- I, I think Snead probably 
you know, he probably wants a long-term deal, but he also probably knows this is the best spot he could possibly be in. Like, yeah, I know he doesn't play on offense with Mahomes, but the team will just automatically always be good in some fashion. And that is generally going to help you make money in the NFL if you're on a good team. So I actually think that that makes more sense for him to stay, but the Chiefs have not been shy about moving on from guys kind of, you know, before we think they're ready to, like Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, they've done it with their tackles in the past. And really, I wouldn't say many of them have really worked out for them, but they're definitely not shy on moving away from guys that are getting too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting just because, you know, both Chris Jones and Snead are coming up at the same time. And, you know, how much does that hamstring them for the future if they bring them both on? But, you know, like you said, you wonder how much you, you wonder how much – being a, being in a winning environment and knowing you're going to be there every year influences them to want to stay there as best as they can. And Snead's not like Chris Jones is a lot older. Like I get Chris Jones wanting to be like I want to cash in because it's probably yeah. his last time to do so. Snead's not a not uh, he's probably if he's smart he probably could get like two contracts out of out of teams and continues to play at a high level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with um, T Higgins. He's the interesting one too, or he is probably the more interesting case just because of, you know, what the Bengals have coming up with their cap work and everything. And how much does he fit into that plan? Yeah, that's the one I don't see how, I mean, I, I thought T Higgins was definitely going to be gone. I just didn't see how they could make the money work where they have T Higgins, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all under big, massive contracts. Yeah. And you know, T. Higgins is definitely a very good player. I don't know. It's hard to judge how much of a difference maker he is when you're when he's got Jamar Chase playing opposite him almost always. But when Chase has missed time, T. has played very well. Yeah. But still, I don't know. He always just feels to me kind of like he almost feels like Adam Thielen already in like in his career. Like, yeah, he's he's like good to put and like, yeah, he has really good games, but just never feels like that's the guy that's making the difference on your teams. Like Thielen had Diggs and then he had Jefferson. Um, And then we see him go to Carolina and yeah, he pops up for a little bit there with Bryce Young, but then it kind of like fizzles out really quick. And yeah, like, you know, similar to Thielen with having him as your number one and having, you know, presumably guys who are lesser than him below him, you know, how, how well can your passing game perform that way? Cause yeah, like you said, Thielen did have a, you know, a solid year with Bryce young, but the passing offense as a, as a whole was, you know, horrific. And there's obviously a lot of different reasons to that, but I can see like the concern would be there where it's like, okay, if you throw T Higgins as your number one, having him matched up against, you know, the better corners that you're going against, how much can you trust the rest of your guys to help create the space that's needed for him? Cause you know, can he win like a Jamar chase wins where it's automatic, no matter the matchup, no matter the week. Right. Exactly. So yeah, he feels like a little bit of a trap to a team that is going to pay him. But we just don't see these big, like big wide receivers be as dominant as they used to be in the NFL. Yeah. Like, you know, Andre Johnson and Calvin Johnson and, uh, Mike Evans is like the the perfect guy that still is dominating as a big guy. Yeah. Um, but guys like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, who's also a free agent, I think. Yeah. Um, 
they they give off the vibes that they're not these alpha dominant you know want to pay them top 10 receiver money in the league kind of guys right yeah so so, yeah let's jump into combine because i think that you had kind of mentioned pre-show and it has it is a big talking point you know leading up this week is just the amount of guys that are sitting out you know, most of the workouts, all of the workouts and just kind of attending the combine just in general and not there to work out. And, you know, what does that mean for a prospect? And even for the, you know, from a scouting standpoint, what does it mean when you can't get those numbers on these guys, you know, at the combine? Yeah, I think it's really an interesting trend that we're seeing. And I suspect we'll see it more and more, particularly with the, you know, the top guys, there's just there's so much more for them to lose than there is to gain once they are, you know, propped up as the top guys at their positions. Yeah. Um, like what, where, what could Caleb Williams, Drake may Jaden, Dan, what can they do to make them go higher than they already going to, are going to go? I mean, yeah, the probably nothing. Cause at this point, the only thing that's going to push anyone above anyone is, what either style of play or what you, what they see on tape. It's not, you know, unless I don't know, Jaden Daniels went out and ran a four, two at the combine. Like what, like, yeah, I guess what would there be that would even convince a team one guy's better than the other or like reverse their opinion on a guy. Right. Yeah. And then same thing for Marvin Harrison jr. And Malik neighbors, like, no, nobody's putting any other receiver above them. And I don't think anything can happen at the combine that would make them lose their spots as the top two guys. And with the, you know, you still have your pro day if you want to do all these drills and you can do it right. in an environment you're comfortable in where you can set, you know, you can set the stage of what you want to do and what you don't want to do, how you want to do it. Who's throwing you the ball is a, that's always a huge thing is, yeah, all, most of these receivers have never caught balls from the QBs that are throwing to them, and vice versa, the QBs haven't thrown to these guys. So, what you, yeah, why would you put yourself in that situation? Yeah, yeah, there's just too many variables for things to go wrong, and I, you know, it just like you said, creates this environment where the only thing that's going to happen is for you to move down the board, you know, for a lot of the mid-level guys, lower guys, if they pop off on, you know, certain explosive numbers, things like that, they can jump them off the, up the board. But, you know, with these top prospects, you know, especially like at a receiver's position, you expect them to have those explosive numbers. And so if they hit them, it's like, okay, you're confirming what we hoped and what we wanted. And if you don't hit them, then all of a sudden all these other question marks pop up and, you know, people start looking at tape differently and everything can start to go sideways and move you down a board, down the board. So there's just like no benefit to, there's no benefit to even doing any of this. Yeah. What do you, what do you, so if this continues to be a trend, do you think, like, what do you think the future of the combine looks like? Like if the, because really people are coming in terms of the, the the public watching, they're coming to watch the best guys be there. They're not coming to watch. Right. Uh, I don't know. Pick your random like round four is, you know, whatever receiver that's going to go in the fourth round. Like the, that's yeah. not who people are, are t- tuning into the combine to see. Um, yeah, the like, NFL you know. obviously still gets some benefit out of it, but 
Of course. I don't know. I feel like the combine, what we know of the NFL combine might change as, you know, not right away, but as years go on and it's not this, let's get everyone to work out in their underwear type thing. And all the guys are there. Maybe it's more of like a, with the way you can do things virtually now, I'm not even sure like if it's justifies like getting guys together for meetings and stuff like you can do all that virtually if you wanted to like, I, it almost feels like it's more gathering for teams to get together. Like this is when we get a lot of leaks of what's going to happen in free agency or trades yeah. or draft pick yep. trades. Like it almost feels like it's more that than it is the, about the prospects. Yeah. I and mean, even with the prospects, I feel like most of it is just the in-person meetings, teams wanting to talk to these guys, you know, for, for the first time for a lot of these guys. And, you know, it's all wanting to get in front of them, you know, while it's a high stress environment, you know, guys are nervous trying to perform things like that and try to, you know, really suss out who they are as a person and that, you know, however long they get with those prospects. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's become a spectacle and I wonder if it kind of reverts back to what it used to be before, you know, all, a lot of the media attention, if it becomes more of this like bastion of safety for, you know, all league people like league, like the team scouts and things like that, where it becomes kind of more of a, you know, just a closed off thing where it is the focus of interviewing and getting the lesser known, the, you know, smaller name guys, uh, getting numbers on them and going from doing it that way, instead of having it be this massive media, you know, similar to the senior bowl type experience where everybody's trying to get there as quickly and as often, or, you know, for as long as they can to try to observe all these guys. Yeah. The, these all-star games, like the senior bowl, the shrine bowl, the, they, they seem to almost have like a way better setup. Like you're actually seeing guys in some level of pads. It's not, you know, full, full equipment always, but right. you're getting them just doing drills against each other. Like it does feel like teams are going to pr continue to prior prioritize those like practices and getting, get, seeing guys in those environments than they are at the combine doing these very specialized drills that you can literally train for like guys can literally train to run a football oh, yeah. dash really well or run the three cone really well, but not actually be good at football in any way. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you can hire coaches that, you know, specifically do this. And that's what a lot of these college kids, a lot of these, you know, potential pro athletes do is the minute the college season is over, you're contacting a coach and getting in touch with a combine coach who's teaching you how to do the correct, like, you know, in the 40 yard dash, they go off of first movement. And so it's all about like getting yourself ready, hiding, you know, kind of hiding your arm and, you know, it's all, it's all technique and trying to game the system as, you know, as it is with any other test in the world, it's all about, you know, what's the best and easy, you know, best and quickest way you can get by to make yourself look the best. And I just, I, I do wonder, and I think you're seeing it already, like you said, of more of a pivot to the focus being on those all-star games. And even if there's, you know, the potential for, different ones to pop up as, you know, as the, I think the focus of the combine starts to dwindle a little bit. Yeah. You, you, you still aren't going to get the elite guys to do these all-star games. Cause again, right. there's nothing for them to lose a game, but there's definitely guys that, I mean, Brett would tell, Brett will tell you he's, 
he's basically picked out a receiver from the senior bowl practices every year that no nobody talked about. It was right. Cooper Cup originally, uh Christian Watson, Puka was last year. Yeah. Um, I think Ricky Parshall is this guy this year from Florida. Yeah. Um th- these are the these are the events that give us a lot of insight into these prospects that can become late first, second round, third, third day two picks. Um right. that, that go later that have something to gain and it makes so much more sense in those formats than it does having these specialized drill. Like the bench press is like so stupid. Like what, what is it? What does a guy benching 20 to 25, like 20, 15 times tell us about anything? N- not much at all of his football skill. Right. Right. If anything, it's just an interesting test of endurance for yeah. a lot of those guys. And, you know, I, like you, like you said, it, these guys already, you know, the top guys, at least they already don't play in at least most of them don't play in these in the all-star games senior bowl east west shrine and you know none of them are at the east west shrine but um and then like they already don't participate in the combine so it's not like we're missing out on anything that we haven't been missing out on already yeah at the end of the day the tape from their college days is what's most important that's what teams are making the decision now you don't want to see Troy Franklin run a six, you know, a six second 40. That would be bad. <laughs> right. The only thing, the only thing these drills matter for are on the extremes. Do you run super fast? Do you run super slow? Are you super weak in the bench press? Are you super slow in the three cone? Whatever it is. The only thing that matters is the extremes. If you're anywhere like in the around average, like that's all that, like, then you're fine. And even that now, with especially the 40 because there's you know for years now the debate about the 40 is you know how functional is it you know how often is a guy really sprinting in straight line in 40 yards and what you know what do you glean from it that's actually useful and even i it'll be interesting to see where that goes because now you're starting to get and it's been you're starting to get gps data from in the games from when they're from in college and you know there was already talk about those numbers coming out earlier this week and you know that's a much better a much better gauge of what a guy is on the field because you're actually getting functional speed and in pads in real time against competition doing what they're going to be doing on the field and you know how much are we actually going to look at the 40 here in the next five years as we get more advanced into the gps data and even you know well, I'm sure we'll get to the point where we're able to kind of track change of direction speeds and different things like that, where you can simulate it, find situations in game and get the right times there. And, you know, how many of these drills become, will, will potentially become obsolete just because of the advanced data and the tracking numbers that we're able to get nowadays that we weren't able to get even five years ago. Yeah. At some point they're going to have to put guys in pads to run the 40. Like that just seems right. like a, a no-brainer way of making it at least a little bit more accurate in terms of how fast guys are. All right, so that's kind of our general thoughts about the combine. Don't don't get overly excited or overly concerned about any one guy's performance at it. It's not the end of the world. It's probably changing in the, in the next 10 years. It'll probably not look the same as we have what we know of the combine is today. Uh, so we already mentioned it. Jaden Daniels is not throwing. Drake May is not throwing. Caleb Williams is not throwing. Yeah. Um, so that leaves, you know, the top QBs that are participating as, as of right now 
anyway, are J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. You got Bo Nix from Oregon, Michael Penix from Washington. Those are probably the top three that like have first round buzz. Is there anyone else yeah. who you think? Yeah. From the quarterbacks? No, I think it it taps out of there because then the next guy would be Spencer Radler and or Joe Milton, maybe. No, yeah. No, God. I have you Milton uh, Milton's an interesting one. Did you actually that's a fun take to talk about that we can get into after this, but um, yeah, I think it's it's Nick's Penix and McCarthy is like that next tier of three guys after those top three guys that are participating. So I think McCarthy has a lot to gain. I know Brett is super high on McCarthy. I mean, his problem throughout this entire process is going to be that he was on such a good team. And yeah, how much did he have to really do? Like what? Can, can we can we project his performance in college on Michigan to playing in the NFL where things probably won't be set up as nicely as they will where they were for him in Michigan? Yeah, um, he's got he had the best running back in this class on his team. He had the they were probably the uh, all right they were a top two defense in in college football last year yeah. at least between Georgia and even Alabama at stretches, but mostly probably Al- or Georgia and Michigan were the top two defenses. So McCarthy definitely has probably the most to gain, I feel like, out of all these guys. Penix, Penix I think, can gain a lot in meetings and showing that he's got the IQ to play and not such a college-style offense and that can tra- his skills can translate to the NFL. Yeah. And, I mean, Bo Nix has just been in college forever, so he's, <laughs> he's got so much experience. Like, I guess that's probably his big selling point, too, is like, look, I've, I've, done, a, I've done this, I've done this, I've done all these things, and I've had some level of success pretty much no matter what I've been doing. Um, yeah. And maybe some team falls in love with that. Yeah, I think J.J. for sure, the, like the combine week is massive for him because I think – 40 time is going to influence a lot of people. I think he's going to run an impressive 40 and that's going to, that's going to open up some people's eyes because while I think a lot of people, you know, most people understand that he has the mobility to him. I think that just because he plays in such a pretty staunch pro style offense behind a very, very good offensive line with good weapons, you didn't have to see him outside of the pocket super often. And so I think that this, I think the 40, He'll surprise the people there. And then just the throwing, I think, you know, it'll be people will be excited to see his arm strength live in person and, you know, the different types of throws that he can make. And so I think, you know, he could really probably jump himself. I think this week is probably the week that he jumps himself into the territory that Brett has been kind of foreshadowing the last couple of weeks of, you know, him potentially jumping into, you know, QB two. And, you know, for him, QB1, but to the point where some people are at least talking themselves into it and you start to, you know, question hit, have, you know, picking him over Drake May or even Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I do you think uh, you probably watch a lot more McCarthy being here in Michigan and whatnot. Um, do you think he can have any? So this was Anthony Richardson's like breakout party last year, too, with his, yep. where he showed off how athletic he is. Do you? I'm, I'm guessing McCarthy is not as athletic as Richardson in terms of like being a, just an absolute freak. But yeah. like, what? 
what like is it 75 percent of that is it 80 percent? is it just 50 percent? like what do you think that the level of jumping showing off his athleticism could be for him so you mean like joe <laughs> all right like Explain like how, how much of a jump yeah how much of a jump could mccarthy get from showing off his athleticism oh I think, what I mean, Richardson did last year like it, is there any chance he has that level of jump where Richardson immediately became a top, you know, a top three pick? I I think there's a chance for it. I don't think it's as straightforward as it was for Richardson, but I think that I think there's a chance for it just because so many teams are looking for that athletic, an athletic quarterback. And, you know, obviously all three of those guys at the top of the list are too, but I think that, it puts the it puts it'll put him up below Jaden Daniels, where I think that he'll be considered the set, probably the second most athletic quarterback in this class. I think that'll jump him up to that point, and that's where people will start looking at him as a top, you know, potential top three QB in this class. Nice. Uh, any other later QBs that you're interested in seeing do anything at the combine? You know the. You know, you mentioned Rattler. There's um, Joe Milton, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Any of these guys? Rattler, I'm interested to watch just because I think that he's a guy that a lot of people, a lot of different teams could fall in love with later as like, you know, taking a, late, a third round flyer on the guy. I think that he's he's one of those that I'd be interesting, interested to watch just to see what his athleticism comes at and It'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see what comes out of interviews just because he's had such a such an interesting uh career through college. I think it'll it'll be exciting to see, you know, what teams kind of perceive him as going into the draft. And then I mean Milton will be exciting it, just because he's got a cannon and he's he's an athletic, he is an athletic freak, but I still, you know, I I think that there will be maybe a team or two that will potentially talk themselves into giving him, you know, giving him a, a legitimate chance at something. But I think he's he probably goes more the way of like a Malik Willis at the end of the day, where it's all the talk about his athleticism. But there's so much he he's so raw in in what he's doing, and you know he's raw playing in some of the easier systems outside of when he was at Michigan and he struggled, you know, really, really a lot at Michigan early in his career. After that, he went into some very, you know, pretty simple offenses, Tennessee. We talked about it with Hendon Hooker. And I think that he'll probably just go the way of a lot of other athletic quarterbacks where it's just, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of mental that I don't, I don't know if it's there for a guy like him, especially because he's been in college for so long. You know, we all remember the the Malik Willis deep bomb to I forget who the receiver was at the combine. Um, yeah, and then there was uh, I think it was it was it Trubisky years ago that basically did the same thing. Yeah, and I Joe uh, Milton a, very easily could do the same exact thing where he had he unleashes a seventy yard bomb, and his name jumps up the board a little bit because he'll you know he'll have that, and then he'll probably run like a four six four five or even lower and then that's where you know the the buzz will happen it happens every year with some guy who kind of blows it out of the water with numbers and i think it, it's it'll be that with him it's just that he doesn't have that 
you know, the pedigree of plays on film that you see from, that you saw from like an Anthony, Anthony Richardson with someone with like that athletic profile. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, any uh, running backs, things, questions you want to see guys you're interested in. Uh, we've got Blake, uh, we've got the top guys, Blake Corn, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. Um, I know people really like, the uh Kentucky guy, Ray Davis. Uh Trey Benson is getting a lot of yep. you know, a lot of buzz the last couple of weeks. I feel like as as a lot of guys start to dig into tape, I'm seeing Trey Benson's name pop up a lot for people. And then the new one this week that I've seen quite a bit is uh was it Will Shipley from Clemson is another one that people oh, yeah. are starting to like because because of his versatility in the past game. Running backs, it'll be I'm I'm just interested to watch the class as a whole, just because it, it doesn't seem like there's this, you know, the, there isn't like a clear top guy. There isn't a guy that probably is going in the first round. And so it's running back classes like this, I think are the are really interesting because it then becomes, you know, what's the flavor of running back you're looking for? where now it's, you know, instead of looking, instead of having a couple guys that are, you know, first round guys like a Jameer Gibbs, a Bijan Robinson, who you're drafting to be like close to your complete back with drafts like this, I think that so many teams now are looking for what specific role can you fill? And so it'll be, I'm, I'm, ex, I'm interested to see, you know, some of the testing numbers on these guys. And if there's, you know, some of the like super fast guys that get, you know, plug, plugged in as the, you know, scat back out of the backfield type guy. And, you know, just, I'm interested, I just am interested to see what overall becomes the, you know, the different tiers of who guys are as far as like, if they're a pure runner, more of a third down guy, more of a power guy and just, yeah. Interested to see how that all plays out. If I'm wrong, but I don't think there's this the uh like the Devon A chain or Deuce Vaughn of this class. There's not like a guy that guys that are really small, yeah, also are getting hyped up a bit. And like, are we gonna see a team take a small guy or not? I don't none of I'm pretty I mean, sure there's not like a like, guy in the the 195 weight range this year that also has like a lot of hype around them. Yeah, I think I mean like I guess Blake Corum would be the closest thing to that. So, I mean, he's five, eight, I don't know. He's five, eight, but he's over 200 pounds. So he's, you know, right. Yeah. He's more of like a muscle muscle hamster than he is anything. Then he is like the, like you said, the deuce spawn or the a Shane where, you know, they have their 180 pounds soaking wet. It's just, it, it, it it's, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a very diverse running running back class it doesn't feel like it has yeah. the it doesn't have the excitement of like a lot of, of some of the recent running back classes but i i think that you'll see as you always do a couple of functional guys pop out of this class that end up contributing in some way shape or form and i think that like this is a class where it's going to be a lot of the guys that can be used as receiving threats that end up, you know, making out more from this class than anything else. Yeah. The, I was actually just looking through the weigh-ins from the senior bowl, just to see what, what, what guys weighed in there and, and nobody is under the lowest weight 
they have is Rashawn Ali at 204. Um, everyone else is higher. The, the highest weight they have is Ray Davis at 220. And he's 5'8". So he's he's got like that Blake Corum build as well. Because um, I think Corum's like 215 and 5'8". Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it feels very much like guys are very much in that like 205 to 215 ish range for the most part, and and around 5.8 to 5.9 ish. Yeah, so and that's where builds. That's where guys who pop, if there are any guys that pop in the 40, that like you know run a number that kind of blows it out of the water. Yeah, if they yeah. run like a low 4.4, high 4.3, that's where you could start to see some names move up the board if you have a couple guys that outperform like that just because there is such a you know everybody just it feels all status quo where everyone's just a different version of one guy and so like it'll i think the 40 will be it will be one of those things where certain guys are able to separate themselves and other guys are you know start to question because of lack of speed i just feel a little bit like that um Malik Willis QB class where there's not a like clear number one or even a clear number two. Yeah. Like Corum, Corum is probably the favorite, but he doesn't exactly pop like anything close to like what Bijan did or Jonathan Taylor in the past. Right. Some of these other running backs. Um, So definitely feels like I, I don't no way. I don't think any of these guys go in the first round. And I wonder if we see any of them slide because they all kind of feel like, yeah, they're good, but they're just like different version of X guy. Right, right. Like, you know, yeah, how long does does it do they make it? Like, you know, does it make it all the way to the third before a running back is taken? Because everybody kind of sits on the like, well, we can, we have our guy, but we also have a guy behind him that we like. And so, like, we don't want to be the ones that, you know, break the seal, so to it's say, the on the running yeah. backs. Because, yeah. like, it's, well, I feel like with a position like that, Nobody wants to be wrong or miss out on the guy that ends up doing well. And so just out of fear of being that person that picks wrong, it's just like a waiting game of who's going to, who's going to do it first. Who's going to break the seal first and go after one guy. So then it, you know, the dominoes can start to fall from there. I don't know how many times John Harbaugh can pass on taking Blake Corum though. So (laughs) that's, that feels like it's going to happen at some point. Harbaugh already came out and said that uh, we need more than two running backs. So I think that a running back is inbound to Baltimore in some way, shape, or form. And this feels like the, this feels like a Baltimore running back draft. Where oh, I was talking uh, Chargers. Corps. Oh, charge! Oh, that! Oh, yeah, that I that, I forgot I forgot which one's which. Jim and John, yeah. but yeah, that. Um, yeah. Yes, I mean, the Ravens also desperately need a running back. Right. Yeah. I think both Harbaugh's, I think, but yeah, Corum. Gosh, the Chargers need a running back really bad too. He might he might be the one to to do it. The Chargers might be the ones to go running back first, and it's just because Harbaugh wants to get Corum in the building. Yeah, there's no way that John Harbaugh doesn't thinks he can run the offense he wants to run without a above average running back. Yeah. Does not seem like a committee guy to me at all. All right. Uh, receivers. So neighbors is going to sit a lot of stuff out. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. as well. I think everyone else is currently participating that I'm aware of. Um, so that leaves like the top guy that's participating is probably Roe Medunze from Washington. Yeah. Um, 
Jalen McMillan from Washington is up there too. Keelan Coleman from Florida State. Troy Flanken from Oregon. That's probably your main group. I don't know if I miss Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, both from Texas. They'll be up yeah. there. O'Brien Thompson from LSU. Yeah. McConkey. A lot of good, a lot of good receivers. Yeah. McConkey. Yeah. I mean, yep. I feel like we say it every year, the last four, probably four years now, where every year it's like this this is the deepest wide receiver class we've seen in years. But this is this. I think this is the deepest wide receiver <laughs> class we've seen in years, and it, I don't know if it'll it has keep... the star power as well. Yeah, it as does, the depth, which is not has not was not true last year for sure. Yeah, yeah. Who's who? Who are you looking out for most in the receivers as far as you know combine work? Who's who? Who's the guy that you expect to make a jump or expect to even drop off? But just interested to see who, who your guys are. Uh, so Troy Flanken is definitely interesting because he was very much a like deep threat for Oregon. Yeah. Um, him showing off just running crisp routes, like when they do all the different route tree stuff will be good for him, I think, if he can show that he does that. Obviously, if he runs fast, that will be good. That's good for – I don't. I know people will say that the 40 time doesn't matter for receivers, but it matters for – the NFL team like we just see it every year that guys yeah if the guys run fast they will go higher than you think they will yeah um what's his name the guy from that the Patriots took is like the prime example of that a few years ago um Um, that hasn't done anything Thornton yes yeah uh yeah from Taekwon Baylor yeah Taekwon from Baylor and he ran like crazy fast it like running fast in the 40 matters for the receivers not because it means they'll be good in the NFL, but it, it's good for their draft stock. Yeah. Um, so Franklin's definitely interesting in showing that he's more than just a deep threat. Uh, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina is a guy that is I've gone back and forth on because he's he kind of fits like we were talking earlier about T. Higgins, the like bigger contested catch type guy. And if he doesn't show that he's got athleticism to him, I think that could be really bad for him. Um, I think teams will be afraid if he doesn't run, if he runs like real, we're talking extremes here, like really slow, or he does the, he he doesn't have good hip mobility when he's doing the three cone and stuff like that. The routes don't look crisp. Yep. This is an event for him where it could be really good for him because he could show that he can do all those things, but it also could be really bad for him because he can't, he doesn't look as crisp with as, as all these other guys that we think are very good. Yeah, he's like <clears throat> he's right there in the probably like late second, early third projected right now. If he can run decent numbers, I think you could see him jump into the mid second round. And this, yeah, like, I, it's just it's just how do you fit I, them all? How do you fit all these guys into? That's the thing six? is it's such a deep position. It'll be interesting to see how, like, again it. Will it be that, you know, I, I teams have these guys rated very, like vastly differently across the board. And, you know, we see some guys go higher than we think and some guys later than we think. It, it just feels like receiver has the chance for one of the guys that everybody has projected as a first rounder to drop. Just because, you know, again, picking a guy that you feel fits your system better, or picking a guy because you like his, you know, his attitude, his character, whatever, better. 
and just having some guy slip through the cracks that, you know, maybe one team had rated higher and, but they went after someone else. And then this, it, it just, there's just so many good ones. I mean, I'm looking at CBS. I just have CBS pulled up right now. And even in the top 60, there's, you know, two, four, six, almost 13, 14 receivers. That's like a quarter of the top. Yeah. That's like a quarter of the top, top 60 um, prospects. It's just, you know, is, is too, is it just going to be too many, too many to where, you know, some of these guys are just going to fall off and it's not their, it's not their fault. And we see a lot of late round guys, you know, kind of pop up as contributors just because they probably should have been drafted a little bit higher. Yeah. I think outside of the top three in Marvin Harrison, Jr., Malik neighbors and um, Roma Dunze, anyone like, anyone else could slip a little bit because of what you just mentioned and, and being so many guys. And you're exactly right that there's going to be, there is a hundred percent going to be third and fourth round receivers that surprise us this year because they just got drafted in the right system for them. And they are a talented right. receiver. Right. We like don't know it, who they'll be yet, but that's going to happen. Yeah. Like I think, you know, I think even Brett, has put out like a couple names of guys like that that could turn into that, like a guy like Jermaine Burton, Devontae Walker is another one that's getting a lot of talk. Jamari Thrash is popping up um, a lot more. His name's showing up more. And just a lot of like, you know, just these late round guys that have a very specific skill set that probably would go, probably would be rated a little bit higher in different wide receiver classes, but there's just so many that they can't, you know, they're, a little almost like too hyper specific that they can't move up to where there's, you know, probably four or five guys that you would argue are more complete receivers and that you can plug and play into any system. Exactly. So, yeah, looking through the list of receivers, like they're almost every single name on this list. If you told me they went in the second round on draft day, I'd go, okay, it makes sense. Like it would not surprise me at all. Right. Um, so lastly, we have tight ends. This, I mean, for all the good receivers that are in this class, this, this is a brutal tight end class outside of probably the best pros tight end prospects since like Kyle Pitts, um, in Brock Bowers from Georgia. But yeah, yeah. after, after Bowers, it is, yeah, <laughs> you don't I mean, need a tight end this year. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I mean, but yeah, Bowers is the obvious one. And then even I think like a lot of teams are going to like Jatavion Sanders. He's another one that I think will get a lot of buzz just because he is a functional pass catcher and is kind of is built like is built for modern offenses and what teams are asking tight ends to do. After that, it's I mean, I think Theo Johnson's an interesting name, and, and you know I think Kate Stover's another interesting name that. I think can be functional in the NFL, but yeah, there's just looking at it. You've got five tight ends in the top one or four tight ends in the top 100 at best. Yeah. And even that's probably pushing it. It just, it's just not a deep position. And, you know, even Brock Bowers, it'll be, it, I think that he's just, he's a super interesting use case in this just because he has been so uber productive through his through his entire college career and he's already built to be this pass catcher of like 
how is he going to be valued in the draft overall? Where is he going to go? Because, I mean, you see mocks that, you know, have, have him being taken as high as six, seven, and then some that have him last as late as into the 20s. There's just so much variance on what, on where he can be taken and what even like, you know, all the draft experts and even teams think he projects to be. Yeah, there, there's a very real world where we see Bauer. I, th- I think Bowers is definitely a lock to go in the first round. Yeah, I um, think so too. But then we easily could not see another tight end. This isn't super likely, but I wouldn't also surprise me if he, we don't see another tight end until day three come off the board. They'll probably be, a, like you said, a Sanders, uh, some of these other guys going round three. I don't. Not, none of these guys really scream round two to me, especially with the receiver death. Because once the receivers start to go, teams are going to get 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 a little itchy, and and, yeah. and want to make sure they get the guy that fits their system. Like like the Rams taking Puka, that just was like a, such a perfect match. Like teams are going to not want to let that guy go, unless there's multi, unless they think they have multiple of them. But I just don't see. I don't see how we see really any second round tight ends and very few third round tight ends go off this year. Yeah. It's it just like you said, and I don't think there's, there's not any complete tight end. So um, a lot of teams, I feel like draft tight ends to be pass catchers to contribute in the offense and why go after that when you can get a, you know, any flavor of receiver that you want. So that being said, though, that this is probably a big combine for all of these guys. They all are going to get a shot to to raise their draft stock because there's just such a meh class around them. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's I think that if any guy pops off in any of the explosive metrics that, you know, comes as a surprise, you could see them jump and fill the void that is, you know, in between probably probably after Sanders of like making it it's probably a play for the third tight end in this class of like who can stand out and push themselves up into like the third round to be taken after Sanders but other than that I like there's there's not really a chance of anybody jumping up any higher than that would you rather draft Johnny Wilson from Florida State to play tight end or any of these tight ends minus Brock Bowers gosh Probably, probably not. Probably, I mean, probably Johnny Wilson. For for those that don't know, Johnny Wilson is he at the Senior Bowl? He weighed in at six six two thirty seven, so he basically could play tight end in the NFL. Yeah, just let me bump him down, give give him a little lesson on uh, run blocking, and deploy him that way. Exactly. Yeah, because he's got some good hands. Like he can definitely catch the ball. Yeah, and. If he can, you know, if he can test well, at least run decent numbers. That's the best. Right. That's like best case scenario for a tight end as it is. Have him put on 20 pounds. You've got him. I mean, right there, he's right in the weight, you know, right in the weight range of like a Cade Stover, Brock Bowers, except he's got two inches on him so he can carry the weight a little bit better. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, yeah if he put on 20 pounds, that would put him – yeah, he like Theo Johnson. That he, he, him, and Theo Johnson would be basically identical. Yeah, and he's probably got his better hands. Yeah, right. I would argue, uh, I would argue so. 
think that wraps up our pre-combine coverage. I'm sure Brett will be back next week and have a lot to say about all the combine stuff and all the prospect stuff he's been doing. And he's, you know, make sure you're also listening to On the Clock is really the premier place where you'll hear all this stuff. You guys will probably preview free agency, which starts next week. Like we said, a lot of football going on all the time right now. Yeah, yeah. And Brett's prospect guide should be coming out soon. I know it's on the horizon. And then, yeah, he's, I mean, he's got on the clock loaded with guests, all people who are like, you know, experts in the field, experts in the industry. So I definitely like that's, you know, daily listening for me. Cool. All right. Let's get out of here. Yep. Thank you for listening, everyone. Like, subscribe, download. We appreciate it. All right. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.